Hi, welcome to Sam Lives Here, a podcast for parents who have lost a son or daughter to addiction. I'm Angie, and I recently lost my 23-year-old son, Sam. Too many parents like us are suffering alone. It's time to get real about losing our kids this way and to share our stories openly and without shame. I'm here to talk about the experience, trauma, and guilt we are left with when our kids die this way, but most importantly, to find insight and healing along the way. We can't bring our kids back, but I believe that we can and should become stronger now because it's the only choice we have. Losing a son or a daughter to addiction often leads to a series of triggers and a life navigating through these triggers. Today, I'm going to talk about how the story of my friend's near-death experience, which happened years ago, brought different thoughts and emotions to me regarding Sam's death. I'm also going to tell you about how reconnecting with my biggest passion has reignited my energy for life and three big benefits that I didn't expect. I'm going to talk about grief at nine months. I'm almost at nine months now, and it's a constantly evolving process. So we're going to tap into that a little bit and then move through the three steps to get us all moving forward today and my weekly limerick. I want to remind you before we start, I'm not a professional. I'm a grieving mom. I'm here to share my story of Sam's addiction, his death, and most importantly, to promote healing as we move through the remaining part of our life. My friend crashed on the side of a cliff a lot of years ago, and he died. And he remembers floating above his body. He remembers his two friends performing CPR on him. And then he remembers a light. And he had to choose between life and moving toward the light. And the light was so inviting. It was so peaceful. It was a sense of all-knowing. And everything was right in the world. So he had to make the decision whether to stay or go. And he chose to stay, which is really awesome. He's such a great friend, and I've known him for a million years And I had never really sat down and heard this story from him. And even if I had, you know, five or 10 years ago, maybe it wouldn't have had the same impact. But what it brought up in me was, oh gosh, Sam never had that choice. There's no possible way he could have had that choice. Now, this is my own mind thinking, right? Because of course he had the choice to not use and walk into a field and freeze to death. But when he died, he was freezing to death and he was overdosing on drugs and he was alone. So he didn't have people working over his body and a light. There wasn't a choice. But then I asked myself, I was so sad there wasn't a choice, but then I asked myself, well, geez, man, what what choice would he have made? And then when I get really honest with myself, I have to admit, I don't know. I don't know. He was in so much pain at the end of his life. He was so frustrated. He had completely given up the idea of quitting drugs even though he was just four days out of his out of his seventh court-ordered rehab, he was in a place where he, according to him, he really didn't care if he lived or died. And he was even to the place where it didn't really concern him if we cared or how we felt about his life or death. And that's simply what drugs do to these minds, you know, meth and fentanyl and heroin, they really, they completely change the brain structure and how the brain fires. And so we're basically talking to a stranger. And so all that really sat on me heavy hearing my friend's story. I thought, oh, the light, Sam didn't have the light. Oh, he probably wouldn't have chosen the light. So it seems like as we walk through life, everything around us is a trigger 
And it's so easy to get into these stories about these triggers. And I'm not going to suggest we don't do that because I think it's a really natural process. And so I wanted to share this one because when we find ourselves in these situations, bringing these things up, sometimes it'd be easy to think, oh, that story wasn't about me or my kid. Now I'm making it about, but that we're grieving parents. Somebody running a red light might, might cause a trigger. Somebody smoking a cigarette might cause a trigger. Somebody yelling. I mean, whatever it is, somebody that looks like our kid, somebody that looks like our kid when they were a kid, God knows how many times we've had those, right? It's all triggering. And we are all left with these stories that we have to navigate our way through. And this is simply part of grieving the death of our kid. So on to a little bit of a lighter subject. I want to talk about getting back into my one of my life's greatest passions, which is hang gliding. When Sam died, I was actually hang gliding in California, and I didn't know he was dead. And then I was on my way home, and I was in Richfield, Utah, uh, staying overnight when I got the phone call that he was dead. So that was in November. And, of course, I never really thought about flying for months. It didn't even register in my head. I had no desire to. And then I got to the point in April, late March or April, where I really started to feel like flying. So I came out to California to fly and I wasn't ready. I wasn't emotionally ready because it's a big deal. I have other passions that I've been able to start back up, but hang gliding is a big one because you have, I have to be 100% focused, not only to save my own life, but to also save the life of all the other pilots I fly with. So it was imperative that I take full responsibility to not get back too soon. So eight months after Sam passed, a few weeks ago, I was able to fly again for the first time. And it was, launching was like launching back into a huge part of myself, a huge part of who I am. And it, it was brilliant to be up flying and to have some conversations with Sam up there and I told him about, you know, uh, damn, I wish he could have actually experienced real flight instead of just around my neck. I felt like it could have been something that might have saved him. But it was, it, it was really a remarkable experience on so many levels. And it did three really important things for me, which I think are going to be universal as we can find our way back into our passions, our biggest passions. One thing is that flying again gave me confidence. I believe I mentioned before that when Sam died, I felt like everything, every single part of me changed. And one of the big parts was my confidence. I lost confidence I because I couldn't remember anything. I couldn't think of anything. I couldn't get through the days without just sobbing, sobbing. I mean, I had no energy. Everything just dropped my confidence. And when I was to the point that I could stand on the side of a mountain with a hang glider. And mind you, I've been doing this for a really long time. So it's not like something I just decided to do recently and jump back into it right away. So I'm a very experienced hang glider pilot. And when I stood on the face of a mountain, trusting myself again to launch good, fly good and land good and keep myself and everybody safe, it was a brilliant move towards my confidence. And as we know, when we get confident in one area of our life, it spreads to every area of our life. Confidence is not put in one box for one area. The, the more that we participate in life in all areas, the more confident we get in all other areas. So confidence was a huge boost because when you can, when you can step back into your confidence, it feels like, okay, okay, confidence helps us to think 
we can get through the future. The other um, big, another big thing that hang gliding again did is it gave me a lot of energy. So when we're in mourning, our energy is completely lost and it's lost in every single area of our life because it's hard to breathe. Let's just face it. So as we progress through the grieving process and when we can do the things that bring us energy and joy, then we promote energy in all areas of our life. So when I have energy to fly, it doesn't just end there. Then I have the energy to say, finally launch this podcast, right? I have energy to do other things that are important in my life, pay the bills, pick up extra hours at work, whatever it is. Energy cannot be overstated. The importance of energy cannot be overstated. The third thing it did, which I think is probably the most important is it reconnected me with my pilot friends. So I really believe that when we are connected with people through our passions, it's such a high vibration level of connection because it's all positive. You're doing positive things. You're having positive conversation. Everybody is driven to be there. Everybody's driven to be doing their thing. And to be back in my community and back connected with my pilot friends just made me feel a greater sense of belonging. And that's huge also because um, I, I can't imagine I speak alone when I say since every single aspect of my life changed, so did my sense of belonging. I used to belong places that I don't feel like I do anymore. But when I come back to my passion, it's I belong, man, and it feels so good. And when we connect with those people that love the things we do, it is a tremendous sense of belonging. So we all have different passions. And not all of them are going to be passions that could potentially um, harm us, such as mine. So my recommendation is that you try to connect with your passions as soon as you possibly can, even if they don't feel passionate. And I actually live these steps that I'm recommending because when I started walking again, when I started hiking again, and eventually started to run a little bit again and to do yoga again, I did each and every one of those things with force. I started with force. I made myself do it because I knew that I had to start the action to find the connection. I had to start the action to get myself moving, to get, to make things happen. So I do recommend if your passion is reading or if it's knitting or if it's going on walks or if it's traveling to museums or travel itself, that's another thing, which this is just going to be a sidebar because I just thought of it. It's not planned. But another thing I have found to be of a tremendous benefit is to get away a little bit, just Remove yourself from your home surroundings, from your circumstances. Get into a new environment where not every door is familiar. Not every place you look, you might expect to see your kid. Get yourself somewhere different because it can re-energize you to come back and face our circumstances with a little bit more strength. At almost nine months, I believe that I'm at a place now where I can confidently say that I will survive and I will thrive. And that is a really big deal to say because as we all know, when our kids die, there is nothing worse. And I always knew that Sam's death wasn't going to quote, kill unquote me. However, I didn't know how I was going to survive and I didn't know how I was going to want to survive. And I feel like as I've moved through this process for these months, I have gotten back to that point, but it hasn't just been because I've sat there and dwelled in my thinking. And I've done hundreds of hours of that, don't get me wrong. But here's the other things I've done. 
I've talked to people. I've taken care of myself. I've protected my boundaries. I have been honest with myself about the direction that I want my life to go in. I've done all those things so that I'm ready to keep moving forward. So beyond getting back into hang gliding, I've launched this podcast. I mean, this was a really big deal. I started, I think my first podcast was at month four. And now that I'm just about at nine months, I just launched it last week. And that was a big deal. That was a huge step forward because knowing that I launched it, now I set myself up for a weekly commitment and I wasn't ready to do that before. I also signed up for a freelance writing course because if I want to be a writer, which I've always wanted to be a writer, I have to put more energy towards it. And that's what I've decided to do. So just the fact that I actually had it in my mind to look up a rating course and to sign up for it to make it happen. That is a huge step in the right direction. As far as my grief, what I find is that I do have moments, those triggers where I will cry, but often my grief will be a cycle, like a several day cycle where I'm really thinking about one thing or something else is going on and it's hitting hard. And then I can also get into several day cycles where it's, I'm pretty okay. So the benefit of um, the time, this time passing has been that I know I will survive. But as I said, man, you know, you just, you just can't survive just sitting there staring at a wall or ruminating or not getting out and connecting. Those things are really, really important. So before we move on to our last uh, three points in our limerick, I just want to do a little bit of a recap. Everything's a trigger. Our life is now about navigating our way through these triggers. And as we grow farther in our grief process, it does become easier to navigate through these triggers and to move forward. Also, uh, the second part, and I chuckle a little bit because this is such a big relief for me. Like, oh my God, you know, I can finally do the things, almost all the things that I used to do before Sam died. So I cannot recommend highly enough connecting with your passion. If you're a golfer and you cannot stand the thought of seeing other people on the golf course, we'll set up a little tee in your backyard and hold your golf club and call your best golfing buddy. Just do little things to move yourself forward. And uh, the third part was really that this is a process. We're never going to be done with this process. We're always going to be moving through it. And the longer we go, as long as we're working, it will get better. The pain will never go away. It will always be deep. It will always be cutting. I, am, I know for a fact that I will continue to cry for my son until the day I die, but it won't be every day and it won't be to the intensity and the frantic panic that it was in the beginning. So moving forward, the last part of this podcast, which I really, really love because there are really small steps that we can all take to feel better right now, whether we're a week in or five years in or 10 years again. Every single day, let's do one thing that connects us with joy. I think of joy as a lot of my passions, like running and hiking and doing these things. But when Sam first died, it was just too painful. And I would maybe go outside for just a few minutes and then I would maybe start to walk around the block and there were benches, so I would sit and sob. So it wasn't easy, but all I could remember was my body and my mind and my soul knows that these things give me joy, even if they don't right now. The second thing is every single day, do one thing that makes your life better. And I will 
talk about this every single podcast because I don't believe the importance can be overstated. We don't want to do anything. We don't care about anything. The bed can go unmade. The bills can go unpaid. I know we have different levels of irresponsibility at this time. Mine was pretty big. I, didn't, I just didn't give a shit about anything. But on the flip side of that, I also couldn't deny that things weren't getting done and it was becoming a heavy weight on my shoulders. So after two weeks, I started to make my bed again. I'm I've said this before too, I'm a daily bed maker. And once that started happening again, I felt a little bit more connected. So as we get moved forward and can pay at least a bill, do a lot of laundry, put dishes in the sink, those little tiny things we can do, they all stack on top of each other to move us forward and make our life better. And the most important thing is every single day, connect with at least one other person who both supports you and understands you in this journey. And in the future, when you're stronger, you can turn around and help somebody else who's standing in the shoes you are in right now. Thank you so much for stopping in. I'll see you next Tuesday. And to wrap up, here is the limerick of the day. In the nine long months since you've died, a zillion tears I have cried. I never know when they will flow, but down my face they slide. Have a peaceful day. 